0: Do us a quick favour guys, hit the follow subscribe button, share this with someone who would benefit from it, and help us grow, as the more we grow, the better the episodes we get. Thanks guys for helping us, and let's get into the episode. If you don't believe that I'm working my way up to a cleaner, now wow, I'm putting a lot of accountability on myself here, because this isn't even a part of the main mission. If I get Tim Grover on, you know that I'm truly about it. I may not be a cleaner, and I've, I've, I've said before, I don't think I'm a cleaner. Um, I don't have all the attributes of a cleaner. I've told you many areas of which I don't have that attribute, or maybe where I don't see that in myself, or maybe I've seen progress towards it, but I'm not there yet, right? If you see me right now, and the way that I'm talking, and you see in months time, tomorrow, whatever it is, you see that I'm working with Tim Grover, you will know that I'm truly about it. Now, if I don't get Tim Grover question it. Am I truly about it now? welcome back to the Sculptor podcast guys in today's episode we're going for chapter nine of the relentless book and we're about at the halfway point now which is you know pretty good do work in la maybe a bit over so uh this chapter is when you're a cleaner you don't compete with anyone you find your opponent's weakness and you with that, which is i feel honestly like it's probably a higher level of um being a cleaner i don't think that I mean actually when I say that I think that when you are a cleaner you probably tick all of these boxes but I think that this is probably one of the harder boxes to work your way up to if you're a closer and if you're a cooler you're probably nowhere near this but with that being said let's get right into it. So first thing that I have highlighted is a cleaner just does a good job that's his job. Before that you've got a closer does a good job and pats himself on his on his back. And a cooler does a good job and waits for a pat on the back. So even there, you don't have anything before that. So the people who don't even get the job done, they're not even here. The people who don't even... Well, maybe you get the job half the time, they're not even here. The people who get the job, you know, most of the time, they're not even here. They're just... We're just looking at people who just get the job done. Well, we're actually focusing on in these three things, for example a cleaner does, just does a good job, that's his job that's just his job, that's how he acts, when he does his job nothing more, nothing less, a closer they do more they pat themselves on the back, a cooler does a good job and he waits for the pat on the back, so the closer and the cooler they are looking for external um like You know the word I'm trying to say. Uh, They're looking for external validation where the cleaner just does his job. Now, I've written down here, everything you do is a representation of you. Every game is your Wembley. Now, that's a quote that I have from Akin Uh Every game is your Wembley. So whether it's a trial game, whether it's a friendly, whatever it is, every game is your Wembley. So I've got highlighted when you're a cleaner, there's no such thing as a meaningless game. Doesn't matter if it's the 1st preseason event or a mid-season All-Star game, or the last game of the season, a cleaner shows up to play. That's a cleaner. He sees the situation, his killer instincts kick in, and he attacks. I own this. This is what I do. No hard feelings. This story is about two cleaners after the game. There was Kobe, surrounded by an army of doctors and league officials, and team personnel trying to examine him and get him to the hospital. He can barely move, nose busted, head ringing, and he's refusing to go. Why? He wanted to see Dwayne and address the situation. Cooper refused to miss a game. No hard feelings, emotionless. When you get two relentless individuals going against each other, the situation can play out for years. The cleanup, the cleaner inside never forgives and never ever forgets. Cleaners, that's how cleaners compete. They dish it out, they take it, and they make sure everyone else does too. Now, context. This is about, from memory, uh, Dwayne Wade and Kobe, when uh, Dwayne, I think, broke Kobe's nose, I think it is. And this was, okay, Dwayne Wade and Kobe, top athletes, right? Both cleaners. I'm pretty certain that Tim actually is worth with both of them. Now, when you've got those two going up against each other, even as Tim said, it, right, that's the highest level. The The whole chapter of this, sorry, the whole name of this chapter is you don't compete with anyone. You find your opponent's weakness and you attack, right? Now, if I am putting that in the context of Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant, well, they're both finding each other's weakness and attacking. They aren't just competing as such, right? TSA that you find your opponent's weakness and you attack. So if we've got two relentless individuals who take Kira and Began completely, they're at the highest level and they're both cleaners, they're attacking their opponent's weakness. They're not competing. Now, what does that truly mean? Honestly, this 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 stumps me a little bit, right? I don't fully understand it. Um, because I would think that a cleaner would do everything he can to make sure that they can win now maybe this is what is being said it's just being said differently right i would think that wayne versus kobe yes finding each other's weaknesses is important but then if it's only that uh facet right it's only one dimensional that's a good word for it it's only one dimensional you're only focusing on each other's weaknesses but what about your strengths What if? your strength in some area is better than his in another. Now, maybe they weren't actually directly competing against each other in terms of... um, Now, I don't even know basketball positions, but if I'm thinking, okay, goalkeeper-striker, for me to actually attack against a striker, that's just not how goalkeeping works, okay? I can only exploit weaknesses, but even then, goalkeepers are a defensive position. Therefore, my attack, I'm the first line of attack. I can start attacks but I can't end them. Therefore, I can only do so much. Now, maybe this is similar with Dwayne versus Kobe, or maybe, um, for example, the attacking person can exploit the weaknesses much more than the defensive person who can only start so they can give momentum. But let's say it's um two strikers up against each other, and then theoretically they don't really have too much to do with each other. But of course, basketball is also a much shorter field. I mean, with less, many less players, right? So you are competing against... Uh, people more directly in basketball for example me and a left back on the other team we might not even get one pass directly from me to him in the whole game right Where I'm like there might be a pass that I receive off a number 9 or a 10 or whatever a loose pass but I'll never ever get it from a left back probably unless they're just bombing it long and I'm coming out to clear but to my point in basketball there will be interactions throughout the game constantly with all players on the field pitch caught cool. It. So it's 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 gonna be hard to put it in context because I don't specifically know the intricacy of basketball. But the main thing is that the cleaners don't forget and they never forgive, which to me I would I would forgive, but I think it's not forgiving in context of um the Gaddy, right? You know someone's done you over Therefore, you're using that as an external source of accountability, right? You're not actually holding a personal grudge. You're not necessarily keeping a distance or you're not neglecting someone. It's mainly psychological to benefit you, which is what Michael Jordan did, for example, um, when he said, I think it was Barclay. um, He said, oh yeah, Barclay, whatever, saying this and that, and he never said it. I think that's the type of accountability and unforgivingness that you need to show. But I do think that forgiving in general is a good thing. But for competing, what Tim is saying here, I believe that it's having the unforgivingness. In your in the back of the mind, although you truly do forgive them, it's there because you don't forget. And that's what I think the difference is. So the next thing I have, he was driven to attack, dominate, and conquer in every way. He expected the same from every individual around him. Now, this is what I love, right? So I think... Whenever I'm around the right people who I I truly feel that I can benefit. If I don't keep you accountable, I don't care about you and us, okay? That's facts, right? I will try and keep Val as accountable as possible. I will try and keep even Charlie. I still still try and keep Charlie as accountable as possible. Uh, One thing that I really was good at at a young age was keeping my friends accountable. And you can ask one of my closest friends from when I was younger. I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if I made him stop playing football because I was I was on him every single day. Um, I would guilt trip him almost into making sure that he was accountable, and and honestly, I don't I don't see a problem with it because now I see a problem with it if that's not what he wanted to do. And in the end, I don't think it was what he wanted to do. So that that's wrong from me. But I don't think that I knew that at the time because I was understanding it as if he did want it. And I think that there's no problem with keeping someone as accountable as possible. Um, with that keeping someone accountable you have to do everything that you are telling someone to do so if I'm telling my friend you need to sleep more you need to look after your body more you need to do X, Y and Z more that has no validation unless I'm doing that myself so therefore if I'm getting checked and he says but you don't even do that so therefore he's got a great point I don't even do it so why should he do it so that means I have to st- the, the standard in the bar so high He's actually got no excuse because I'm doing it. If I'm doing it, he can do it. And that's a great source of accountability. And I think MJ was very good at that. Like Kobe was the best at it. And I think also I'm very good at that. Um, so we have next. He expected the same from him. every individual around him. Every day, those teammates have to show up to face him in practice completely dreading what was ahead, not because practices were hard, but because they knew they had to deal with number 23, and that legendary mouth. Throughout uh, the last dance, you hear a lot about MJ, people calling him toxic, things like that, and in I, I believe during the time now, I wasn't alive during the time of MJ um, and his playing career, although I believe from what I've heard about in the last dance, and then also in a lot of um, different interviews about MJ is that no one really liked him at the time because he was such an arsehole and Tim Grover talks about this with MJ giving Michael the biggest compliment I think that's towards the end of the book actually uh, when, when MJ gives Tim the biggest compliment saying that Tim isn't an arsehole he is the asshole. you have to be an arsehole to a degree to keep that high of the standard. When I have uh when I was at one of my old clubs and I had a coach who was always keeping me up to a high standard i I yes, that was difficult to deal with, although I never took it personally because that's the standard you either adapt or you get out and a lot of people get out. a lot of people can't deal with that heat. Maybe it's not because they're not good enough. it's because they just don't want to deal with it. There's a lot of things that come with that. I think that if you get checked enough like that, it, you don't really want it bad enough. If you really want it bad enough, you stick with it, you improve. You don't get out, you evolve and get up to that level. So you either get out or get up, right? In that environment, I always try to get up. I don't get out, I get up. Pushing, demanding, challenging, abusing, makes them go harder. Michael stormed in there, he doesn't care. Get to my level or get the hell out of my way, look okay. at Got copied. Um, no, they didn't copy me. I copied that. All right. Um, I think I've said something good here. Oh, okay. So I've written about how with me in Germany, right? I struggled with that a lot myself because I kept a high standard for myself and those around me. Typically, I struggle to do that in the in the same environment when I am uh, inferior. What I mean by that is that when I I do have a bit of an issue here with self-awareness. Sometimes I'm too self-aware that I know my place that then I let that dictate specific things. Now, for example, I mean, when I was younger, I was training with the first team for the first time. I wouldn't say a word. I just wanted to be a little quiet guy and not say anything and not get out of my comfort zone. But looking back, I shouldn't have done that. But also I'm glad that I did do that because now I know that the best way to do it is what I know. So regardless... I could keep the standard in the environment around me, but I didn't carry that same delusion stepping up another level. Now, in no way is that easy. In no way do I necessarily expect many people to do that. I commend the kids who do that. I think that the prime example, Bellingham, I don't think Musiala necessarily is too vocal. I do think that he keeps the standards of himself, though. Um, uh, the Spanish guy from Barcelona, I can't remember his name, um, but the, the, the young, uh, Johnny, Jebby Harland, uh, a lot of the young players who you see, they keep that standard in whichever environment they go into. And you have to, you have to commend that. You have to commend that. And that's something that I am working on myself. As I mentioned it. My awareness level hinders me at times because I know I'm actually not the best player in the room right now. So therefore if I fish out what I'm saying when I am the best player in the room, then that won't be received well. Therefore my performance might suffer because of that level of delusion because then I get more heat. Then I have to deal with that. Every player in this dressing room hates me and I'm the worst player in the room. So it's it's a game where you have to eliminate the best situation and adapt to it. So in that situation, when I was the worst player in the room, and you might be thinking, no, does say the worst player in the room, but I actually was. And I think that's okay to say when I've got people who have been playing football for longer than my whole life. I think that's fair to say that I was the worst player in the room. Now, maybe saying worst is a harsher word for saying the least skilled, but It means the same thing. It's just a harsher way of saying I was the worst in that room. So keeping the same standard that I kept for myself is going to be hard to do when I know that I'm out of place, right? Now, the best way to do that and adapt and evolve, well, maybe it's being aware that you aren't the best player in the room, but also trying to maintain your own personal standard. And whenever you do mess up or whenever you do make a mistake or anything like that, you keep yourself accountable to the highest degree. For example, right? You give away a pass leads to a goal. You're the worst player in the room. Everyone's angry at you. How do you react? I would say it's not ignoring it. It's not putting your head down. Um, I would ignore it, honestly. I I previously have ignored that. I just act like it never got to me. Uh, What I would do now is I would go, I would confidently say out loud, yeah, my bad, sorry, anything like that, just showing physical presence and dominance, that you're still able to deal with that, knowing that you messed up and then moving on from it, I think is the best way of doing it. Now, that's how you deal with it in those situations, bringing that same level of awareness, but then keeping that standard, that's how you deal with it. Now, throwing throwing a massive spatter into the mix here, Now do that in a language or or a country that you don't speak the language of. So that's what I really struggled with, I think, because when I was uh, moving to Germany, I think that I learned that lesson that I have to react like I just described, right? I have to react with that level of awareness. And I don't like the word confidence, just like I don't like many words. Confidence is the best uh, word to explain right now. So we use it. With that level of confidence, you have to take full accountability for it. Yeah, guys, it's on me, it's on me. Next thing. Now, doing it in a... So yeah, basically, so I'm saying, I, I think that I was in the place to do that after I left Australia. But the problem is now, I'm in Germany. How do I do that when I don't know how to say it? I don't know if they'll understand what I'm trying to say. They don't know me well enough to know that that's how I react to things. That damages my reputation, as I highlighted at the beginning. Every action represent, represents you. Sorry, I got a few um, hiccups here. Every action represents you. So if I act in that way, to where I am speaking out loud with complete confidence and um awareness, how will that be perceived by someone who may not even understand me as well? Right? Let's say I do um, I, I say it in English and I, I, I act it with full confidence. Then the people who understand English maybe may understand. Maybe the people who speak German or the others who don't speak any languages that I can speak, maybe they can see it just through physical presence alone. I think that's the best bet. It's you still have to do that. It just won't be received to. it won't be received as well. As it would have been in a native language, for example. Now, what I think I did that um, I could have done better in is that I should have continued to do that. But what I did is I stopped. I didn't do that. I kept really, really quiet. I was the quiet guy because I thought, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how it will be received. Therefore, it's better for me to stay in Montreal. I scrapped that now. I also can speak the language but now don't quote me I don't actually speak good German I speak football German but I can I can now deal with something like that with extreme confidence body language stays the exact same everything stays the same my bad move on next play that amount of confidence that amount of self-awareness then when you are one of the better players in the room one of the or, or if not the best player in the room you keep that standard high take accountability that's a bit of a long line for you, but I think that's a good dissection of it. a lot of different lessons in that that took me a lot of time to get to and now I can't say I'm still there um, yeah I can't say I'm still there I can't necessarily test it to the best of my ability right now obviously I'm still injured I've got three weeks um, of recovery to go still but that's how I f- that's how I believe the best way of dealing with it is Okay. Easier that way. That's kind of referring to taking the easy route, which, would, which is what I was saying. I think that I was taking the easy route, but by, by not—I guess you could call it hiding. It's probably the best way to explain it. I was hiding. I was hiding from expressing the confidence that I should have. So actually, I'm just thinking in my head. Sorry. It's actually easier in that way in the moment, but in the long term, it's not. Which is. This is going to get quite deep. And. Someone who has been in this experience before will understand. The easy way out in the moment. Is the. Harder way out in the end. Now, I'm trying to think of an analogy for this. Okay. Kill the baby. Kill the baby for. Kill the monster. Kill the monster as it's a baby, or kill the baby before it's a monster, I think it is. If I was to collect an apple every single day, and put it to this side of the table, okay? By the end of a year, I'd have 365 apples, okay? Now, this is going to be a hard analogy, um... So I've got all of these apples here to the right of me on the table. And over the time, it's accumulated, it's accumulated, it's accumulated. The easy thing for me to do was to move these apples out of frame. Okay, that's it. So I'm moving these apples out of frame so that you can't see all of my apples. Once a day they're down here, maybe i bring them up. I'm moving them out of the frame. I'm moving them out of the frame every single day, 365 days. But now, that pile of apples has become so big. You can start seeing those apples in my frame. Now, the easy thing for me to do, and I never wanted you to see the apples. The easy thing for me to do was just to do the small thing. I can deal with doing this. That's not an issue for me. The better thing to do, maybe it's a bit harder in the moment. The better thing to do is to take the apples up, walk over there, and make sure that they really are out of the camera. So that by the end of the three hundred and sixty-five days, the pile of apples doesn't encroach anywhere closer in frame to this camera. Now, so the easy thing in the moment becomes the bigger thing in the future. The harder thing in the moment becomes the easier thing in the future. Now, this is a very weird human dilemma that we all have, and. Someone who can reprogram themselves to make, to identify these areas, which is very difficult to do because you may not be aware of them in the moment, to identify these areas and make sure that you do the due diligence and have a proactive nature to avoid those apples from going up. That's a proactive person. Now, I can give you a very good example to where I do that. With my mental work that I do, I'm moving those apples over there, and I'm not just moving them over there, maybe I'm cutting them in half so that they don't ever... They don't ever get to a point where they could encroach and build up into this camera, into this camera frame right now. I'm cutting them up, making sure they fill all the empty space. They're over there. I've dealt with them. And you know what? Maybe they disintegrate a lot easier because I've cut them up. I've put them in the blender. I've gotten rid of them. I haven't just piled them up. I've actually worked on them, right? So someone could even do, you know, a, a good bit of work with their mental work, but they may not be addressing it fully. They may just be putting the apples outside of the camera, kind of neglecting them. Someone who doesn't do the mental work at all, they've got the apples right here on the table. They're still in frame, or, or soon enough they'll be in frame. A proactive person, maybe they're putting them a little bit further, but somebody who's really doing the due diligence, which I believe I am doing, I'm cutting the apples up and putting them in the blender, I'm pouring them all the way out there, make sure that they'll never, ever interrupt me and my football. That's proactivity. And it's a very weird human dilemma that we all have that sometimes when we think, Now it does make sense, right? If we're thinking that there is a possibility that that outcome doesn't happen because we can't see the the direct correlation between it, and we can't see a direct causation for it. So, for example, if I was to hit myself every single day like that, I would eventually see a red mark. Pretty well, I'd I'd see. I I already have a red mark there, right? I see that. Immediately, I know that's bad. I shouldn't do it. Now, if I had no red mark on my hand from doing this, and I could keep doing this, and the red mark never showed up. I would keep doing this because, you know, my body's telling me it doesn't hurt. I can keep doing it as much as I want. Now, humans, even though hypothetically in this situation, right? Let's say that this red mark would turn up in 180 days, until those 180 days. I'll keep doing it, even if I know that in 180 days' time, this red mark will be bigger than ever. Maybe I won't even have a hand because I've just hit it that many times, but on that 180th day since I first started, I won't have a hand or it will be the biggest bulge or red mark you have ever seen in your life. On 179th, you can't see any, any signs of it. But as humans, we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. It's a very weird dilemma that we have, but we neglect the possible outcome because we don't see a direct correlation. Now, the reason why I won't keep doing this is because I see this red mark immediately. I see this. I get an instant visualization or even uh, a sensation from within me telling me that this is bad. This is why people struggle with nutrition. Why I've struggled with nutrition as well. You don't see necessarily, you, you, you're believing in the odd chance that this might not happen, even though it will probably happen. That's kind of what it is. Or, or sometimes it's a lack of awareness, right? Sometimes the person who's just moving the apples out of the frame and doing their mental work, they don't know the full causation or reasoning for the apples eventually piling up and coming too much towards them. They think that they've just got to neglect the the the, the work, or they're just putting it to the side. Back and only last so long. Soon enough, you've got to chop them down, blend them, and get get rid of them. So, the point: you have to be educated and aware enough to get on this early that's pretty deep that's pretty in depth and I've repeated myself that pretty deep and in depth really alright it's, con- it's a conscious decision to make the other guys feel as if they were one team not one superstar surrounded by a second rate supporting cast Michael went the other way and came right out and said it's said it's That's my supporting cast. Oh, okay, so context. Kobe sees his teammates stepping up. He'll revert to his natural game. It's a conscious decision to make the other guys feel as if they were one team, not the superstar surrounded by a second-rate supporting cast, whilst Michael was the exact opposite. He is the superstar, and they are the supporting cast. So it's an interesting differentiation between cleaners. Now, I think that there is a bit of a differenti- differentiation between Michael and Kobe quite often. Kobe, I think, is a bit more of a cleaner in terms of doing. I think MJ wasn't as much of a clean-off in doing as Kobe was. Now, I'm sorry, I'm just going through this, and I'm just realizing that we have a lot of betas to get through. Um, But I think that Kobe was more of an action guy. I think I'm more of an action guy michael was he had he just had this about him where it was he didn't have to do as much maybe it's because he had this inherent uh well if i was thinking about nature versus nurture, maybe he had this inside of him where his parents helped him have this level of delusion or, or confidence ego that that helped him transcend this in all areas of life or maybe from a young age he was actually doing the due diligence, which helped him nurture that ego. Or it was a genetical dispossession where maybe something that he heard or something that he would react to would then not be filtered as much as Kobe would. These are just differences. It's the topic versus like it's a very heavily debated thing, you're right. Nature versus nurture. Okay. So you got your two titles, you're done for the game. Don't say I didn't give you the F and ball. Now I've got to go do what I need to do. Okay, I also wrote, so, in basketball, you can take, you can carry a team. You can actually carry a team in basketball. You know, you can go from one side of the field to the other and actually score a lot of points. In football, you can't do that. So, and especially for me as a goalkeeper, I have a reactive approach to a game. I only can ever have a good game if my opponents are good. Think about that. I can only ever have a good game if my opponents are good enough. What I mean by that is imagine I theoretically and hypothetically had the best game of my life where I was saving goals left, right and centre. Now, imagine that same situation, that same day, everything was the exact same. My performance at the end of the 90 minutes would be the exact same, but I'm versing a less competent team. If that ball was to go... Where it did in the other game, where I was having a worldie, I would have saved it. But if I never got, sorry, if if in this other game, the same game, right, same situation, this other team isn't good enough to get the ball there. The other team isn't good enough to even get the ball across halfway. Therefore, I would have never, ever had the chance to save those goals that I did in the other game. So my job is a reactive job to the team's capabilities, essentially. So, it's a bit of a different thing. In basketball, I do believe that you can be more of a cleaner uh, visually. And this is why even strikers are very valued because they typically can They can win the game, right? The goalkeeper can also win the game, but they can dictate the game a little bit uh, more in their control because they can get the ball and score a goal. I can save the goals, right? I can save the goals, but that also relies on my... Opponents being good enough to have a shot and goal. It's a complex dynamic. Not completely relevant, But this is just something my thoughts when I'm thinking about comparing football and basketball. Now I've got a lot of those here. The cleaners won't let others F it up over and over again. So if someone Fs it up, you pass them the ball, they F it up. Cleaners won't play that ball for them again. They can't trust it. They trust their instinct, Right? If I was to give you a new iPhone and every single time I gave you a new iPhone, you dropped it and it cracked. And I kept on giving you that iPhone. I kept on giving you that iPhone. What happens? You keep on crafting yeah. it. Well, do you think that I should give you that iPhone again? And so cleaners won't give you that iPhone again. Right. We do still have a lot of pages, I'm quite a way into the video episode. Okay. He never showed frustration on the court. His body language and demeanour never changed. He'd just say, you're not playing tonight, that's fine, I'll play for the five of us. He'd do it in a way that uplifted everyone. Emotional, when their teammates don't show up. Emotions make you weak. Emotional energy is completely destructive. He always stayed positive, always had fun out there. After the game, he was like Genghis Khan. He'd go after your balls and your head at everything in between. But during the game, while he was in that zone, it was all about taking control, staying cool, and getting that end result. Interesting. Um, this Sunday, today is Thursday, depending on where you're listening to right now. Listening from, sorry. Sunday, that episode is about emotions. Definitely listen to that one. Uh, I won't give out too much about my thoughts on that, but it's interesting. Um, Okay. What I have... Michael and Scotty played as if it were a champion, As if it was for a championship. Michael punched him in the face. Okay, that's for Steve Kerr, I think. I need to stand up and go back at him. I think he earned I think I earned some respect um okay so that's even in the last dance I think from memory um MJ wait MJ yeah. MJ punched Steve Kerr in the face and then Steve Kerr actually retaliated and then from there Steve Kerr and MJ kind of had a bit of back and forth I think you can kind of look at Steve Kerr and you can kind of like tell the person who he is, I don't know if you know much about that pseudoscience, I forgot what it's called, but where you can judge a person's character by their facial features I actually really believe in that, I'm not even kidding um, now, I don't probably, you can take it with a little grain of salt because I haven't done much research in it, but I do sometimes try and predict people's personalities by looking at their faces, and this is literally subconscious, and I would say most of the time I'm pretty spot on, like it's a weird thing now, I haven't thought about it too much, I, I don't think about it being a science too much i don't think that there is um it it is hard to evaluate as well right to um perception and yeah very individualized but if you know what i'm talking about you might understand what i was saying about steve kerr i think he he, you can kind of guess steve kerr's like character i think um and, and honestly i'm not surprised that steve kerr stood up to michael he kind of seems like that guy who would and that that respect i I think yeah that that then helped actually their relationship, and if you remember in the last dance that then MJ there was a pass that MJ had to make to Steve Kerr for him to make a winning shot and that got them championship. Funny actually, the the in the last dance that's actually a funny part because then Steve Kerr in front of Chicago the city of Chicago says, um he recounts the story of how it happened completely differently to make it seem as if, um MJ needed the help from Steve, but we all know that it was Steve needed help from MJ. And this is out of self-awareness from Steve. He was making it satirically, but it is a funny part of it. uh Documentary. All right. Michael trusted Kerr. Now, okay, this chapter is getting me thinking. Leaders have to distribute because you have to have... that with a leader, you have to be aware enough To know that you can trust some people to do a better job in a specific area than you. For example, if I know as a goalkeeper that the people that I need to help are the strikers on the field in terms of keeping them accountable, telling them where to go. I know that I can't do that job because of limitations, right? If I'm 100 meters away from them, how am I meant to tell them to do something, adjust, move, drop back, switch? I can't do that, right? So... I should have enough of humility within me to then outsource that to someone who can. But I also have to have that trust in someone who can do that. So whether it's another striker, whether it's I tell that person individually, I have to outsource and leaders must outsource. I think MJ trusted Kerr and uh, earned MJ's respect. Therefore, MJ could outsource leadership roles to Kerr. No way Kerr was taking a last second shot unless Michael wanted him to. That's what I'm talking about. People like to make comparisons between Magic Mike. Did I just say that? I'm oh, sorry. Not Magic Mike. That's dreadful. People like to make comparisons between Magic and Michael, but Magic looked Kerr for Kareem. On the floor, Michael looked for one. He used to tell the guys at the beginning of the season, I'm going to pass to you the I'm going to pass the ball to you one time. If you don't do something with it, I'm not throwing it to you again. I can miss a shot on my own. I don't need your help for that. So make something happen because you're only getting one chance. I like that. Now in football, that's You can't do that. Like if I'm a goalkeeper and I play to my centre back every single time and he misses and he loses the ball every single time, soon enough I'm probably going to have to play a ball right? Soon enough, the set of after, we're going to have to play me a ball. And if I stuff it up for a single time, he's going to have to play to me one time soon enough, right? In basketball, it's probably to a degree similar, but you can get around it a bit easier. All right. I'm going to speed it up a little bit because we're getting deep. We're getting deep. Will we be ready? Will you have done the work that allows you to step in fully prepared and showy and sorry, show you should have that job all along because if you do well and impress someone, you're in the system. Now you, now the head guy knows you can what's up in my reading today? Gosh. The next guy will be the opportunity you do grab at the puppets ruthless and yeah, I've got a lot of notes here. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip through it quickly. All right, get out of my way. Get out of my way. You don't have to like it, he said. But you will like the results. That's what I'm talking about with the arsehole thing. Oh, I didn't actually address that at the end. So MJ, everyone talks about how MJ was an arsehole in the moment, but at the end, they all celebrated. Right? We all, in the moment, would hate someone like Michael Jordan, but we get the result. So we love the result, but we don't like the work. Now that's actually okay. And I think individually, it's going to change, right? You either have to evolve and adapt so that you are okay with the suffering in the short term to get the long term result, right? So suffering in the short term to get the long term result—the apple analogy—see, it's a weird human dilemma, and we don't like the tough in the in the now. We'd rather deal with it in the later because it's hypothetical. It's not right in front of us. 180 is 180 day time, and we see it. That's kind of the same philosophy here. Now I'm sure there's a word for it. If not, I'm going to add that to the sculpted vocabulary. let i do that. Actually, I'm going to write it like that. So it's the phenomenon that neglecting the tough in the moment, neglecting tough in the moment, and then. Later on, you have to deal with that toughness ten times that have over. over, neglecting the tough in the moment and dealing with the repercussions later. I'm doing. All right, sorry for that. I just have to do that. It's good. Definitely, there's got to be something psychological, and there's got to be some way for it. It's got to be human phenomena. All right. No level of pressure. Nobody holding them accountable and demanding. Others couldn't keep themselves at my level. Yeah. A true cleaner isn't thinking about making you better for your benefit. He's happy for you if you get something out of it. But whatever he's doing, it's for his sake, not yours. Yeah, that's that, that's interesting. So the reason why MJ's an asshole to everyone is not because he cares about their feelings, not because he necessarily wants them to be better players. It's just because he knows that if he does that, if he does that, he'll get the best result out of them, which will then give him the best result. So he's okay with being demonized in the moment because he'll be praised later. Now, he's not doing it for their praise. He's doing it for him. But can you see how that then is, in the moment, tough to deal with? And if you're one of those plays, that's going to be tough to deal with in the moment. A closer can take the winning shot, but the cleaner gets him on the team and make sure the ball is in his hand when it needs to be there. And I've written the leaders distribute. The cleaner deciding what a closer will do. Dwayne knew he had to hold back all season so LeBron would step up. But no question about it, about the cleaner crafting a plan. It that's it's tough to kind of um think about sometimes, and I won't go into too much depth about it because I can have a lot to say there. But just just think about that, right? And the cleaner deciding what a closer will do. Dwayne knew he had to hold back all season so LeBron could step up. And and remember, LeBron, in this time of riding it, was a closer. No question about it, that's a cleaner crafting a plan. So the cleaner has to craft a meticulous plan where he has to outsource and essentially make him look worse in the moment so in the long term he gets better success for it. That's meticulous crafting of a plan. You don't question the methods, you just look for the results. Cleaners don't brag about doing their job. That's what I wrote there. Okay, I've also written that cleaner's humility as he's just doing the job, which is, you'll never hear Dwayne say any of that and take credit, because in his mind, that was his job. A great leader knows the best way to get people to raise their performance is to put them where they can truly excel. Not just where you'd want them to excel. Cleaners don't block others from reaching the top with them if they're capable and ready. And as LeBron evolves as a leader, the potential cleaner eventually he can take over responsibility for putting a winning team on the floor. Which happened. Okay, we've still got a few pages left here. Um, Go. Eight or so. I'll go through a bit. Uh, you have to look at your teammates, your employees, and see what you can do, not what they can't. People who evaluate talent will always take the negative. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, what can he do? We established what he can't do. Stop waiting for him to do it. Let's find out what he can do and put him in a system where he can succeed. That's a very good way of reevaluating. And making the best out of the situation and and not leaving a stone unturned right you could be complaining that he can't do the things but if he can't do them don't expect him to do them expect him to to do the things that he can do everyone is given some ability at birth not everyone finds out what that ability is sometimes you find it on your own sometimes it has to be shown to you either way it's that we have to compensate for the abilities we don't have we compensate in order to survive no work ethic or no support system. No way to use or develop to take advantage of those skills. Successful people will compensate for what they don't have. Unsuccessful people make excuses, blame everyone else, and never get past the deficiencies. A true leader can see past those deficiencies, identify the abilities, and get the most of that individual. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. That's a good leader. It's a good leadership. Yeah. A leader makes things happen i feel like i definitely possess that and i've written about it i feel like i even posted this on linkedin yesterday if anyone if you were to put a group of 19 year olds at a similar level as me if you put 100 of those kids in a room and you were to say okay i'm putting 10 million dollars on the person who can complete this for me if we're all at a similar skill level we're all the same age and there's 100 of us in the room, but only one, statistically, will actually make that thing work. And you have to put your, you have to put your millions on it. I pretty confidently would say, in that room, I'd be putting the money on myself if I was outside of that room and that that wasn't me, um, doing it. I'd say, that if you got me, I didn't phrase that well. If I was in that 100 group of kids, and there was someone putting that money on me, and I was that person who didn't know, well, he knew me and my work ethic and how I do things, they would put their money on me. I think they would. If I was that guy looking at me, I would. I would, out of the hundred kids, I would put my money on me. A little bit better So but I would work on my analogies in the moment. My analogies are good in the, in the longer episodes when i've um planned out but in the moment my analogies are the best all right no physical stuff zero didn't stretch him before the before the game didn't warm him up didn't go to the gym just sat around and talked now to me that's that's not being a relentless that's not leaving stones unturned i have a bit of a problem with that but maybe that's just the kobe in me right maybe for other cleaners like mj they're okay with that because they don't need that. But for me, I see a problem with that. I do see a problem with that. Frustrated by what he believed they couldn't do. When you're so extraordinary in your craft, when your talent is so natural and your skill is so elevated, it's hard to understand that not everyone is like you and you can't do what you do and can't do what you do. Now I've been told that a few times by the people. Not everyone thinks like you. Not everyone wants to do it like it. I struggle with that. I truly do struggle with that. But you know what? I'm kind of glad I do because I'm holding myself to such a high exception and a high standard, but also keeping an account that I do believe that anyone can do what I'm doing. Therefore, it's like, it's it's the growth mindset to a high degree, right? But then it's also sheer um, capability. It's belief in what I can do. It's belief in that anyone can do it. Interesting take. As the leader, recognize players' talents. Use those talents. Work with the strength and everything else you get beyond that will be a bonus. You control this. Make it work in your favor. Have everything you do. Everything you do work in your favor. Distribution and organization. I think I deal with it okay. Here I didn't in the long run because it got to, uh, I can't even, gosh, my notes, as I've said previously, when I was doing, this page is so crowded, um, yeah, it's not the best nights for these nights, I should have written it down somewhere, but I didn't know that I was gonna be doing a podcast episode five years after I first read this book, but, um, okay, we'll go to the next page, But for any leader, it's hard to resist the temptation to take over and just get things done. Let them come up to your level. Remember when a cleaner gives you an opportunity, be ready because he won't ask you again if you blow it. It's easy for him to just do the job himself. A cleaner's job is to take control. When you're the guy they hired to make things happen, those things better happen or you won't be that guy for long. If there's going to be a mistake, you have to be the one to make it so you can turn it around immediately and get everyone back on track. It's all on you. Yeah, it's all on you. Cleaners are always leaders. That's what I've written. Let everyone in the tribe experience what it's like to be the chief so they all can see the intricacies and issues of text and texture of what happens at the top and recognise what's happening in the bigger picture rather than getting stuck in their own little scenes. I really like that. I've done that myself, actually. So I I won't go into too much detail, but... When you, as a leader, want to contextualize what it is for someone else who may not appreciate or understand a process, for example, if I'm keeping people accountable and always doing X, Y, and Z and someone doesn't agree with the way I'm doing it, a brilliant way to give them that self-awareness to see why I'm doing it is to put them in that same situation how I see it. So giving them the leadership role and then when they see that under their control, things aren't done properly because they're not doing it, because they're going to do it the way that they think that the right way is. And what they think the right way is, is contrary to your way, because they don't agree with your way, right? Because it's, it's the difficult way. So if you put them in that role and they see that you're not getting, that they're not getting the results because of their way, then they would realize, okay, well, if they're smart enough and they're able to admit this themselves, and that typically In sports, people won't admit this themselves. They'll they'll know it in the back of their mind or they're just so delusional in terms of bad delusion where they won't accept that and they won't see past that. They will just see it as a correlation but not causation. And they'll see that situation and they won't attach two and two together. They won't realize that because I was here, that's why we lost or because he was there, that's why we won. They won't see that even if you put them in that situation. And that's what you call arrogance and that's what you call ignorance now, those types of people aren't the best types of people, but it, you can you can fix that that's not a problem, you can fix people that's, it, it just, you have to work on a very personal level so they can understand, you have to put them in more situations like that so eventually, they'll be able to admit they'll be able to pattern, uh, pattern recognition and put puzzles together okay we're gonna skip through a little bit yeah, okay, last two pages here you need that one guy who never needs a fire lit under him who commands respect and fear and attention and demands that others bring the same excellence to their performance that he demands of himself. He doesn't have to be the most skilled or gifted guy on the team, but he, but he establishes an example that everyone else can follow. The only way you can light up other people's fire is to be lit yourself. That's brilliant. A professional doesn't let others down just because of personal issues. If you need to show up, you show up. If it results in better performances, then you've helped yourself to get one step closer to your own goal. Show them where it is. Set the example that allows them to get there. What I've said is set the standards so high so ones around you perform better, so you're all elevating totally. Now it's a very um, poorly structured way of saying it, but I think you get the point there. Anyway, Scott, we got through another chunk of relentless there. Um, we're at page 145, and there is, I think, another 100 pages left or so. Just find not 100 pages, so more than halfway through. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. That was very long. We got very deep there, but I think there was some definitely some good lessons in there for you. So hope you enjoyed it, and we'll catch you on the next time. Actually, keep an eye out and sculpt it Up. Make sure you share this with someone as well, and we need to grow it, All right. I think the messages are really powerful here. You need to help us get onto Tim Grover. You need to help us get onto Tim Grover, all right? It's been my goal from day one, and I'm not just talking about the podcast here. You find emails of me from years ago talking and trying to get off Tim Grover. I think we can get onto him. I believe. This is going to be a clip. This has got to be a clip. I'll tell you right now. If we're working with Tim Grover in the future, this will validate the whole podcast. Hear me out. If you don't believe that I'm working my way up to a cleaner, now, wow, I'm putting a lot of accountability on myself here because this isn't even a part of the main mission. If I get Tim Grover on, you know that I'm truly about it. I may not be a cleaner, and I've, I've, I've said before, I don't think I'm a cleaner. Um, I don't have all the attributes of a cleaner. I've told you many areas of which I don't have that attribute, or maybe where I don't see that in myself, or maybe I've seen progress towards it, but I'm not there yet, right? If you see me right now, and the way that I'm talking, and you see in months' time, tomorrow, whatever it is, you see that I'm working with Tim Grover, you will know that I'm truly about it. Now, if I don't get Tim Grover question it am I truly about it now I'm smiling because I'm, I'm I'm a little bit concerned that I have put such a um such a standard on me that maybe isn't important to where I want to go in terms of football because I think I can get on the tip river pretty reasonably if I'm not focusing on football too much but my main mission football so if I was putting my life saving of time into getting Tim Grover and working with him, I think I could do it. But that's not the main mission here. Maybe if I focus on the main mission, then as a byproduct, I could work with Tim Grover. But that's a lot of um accountability now. I don't think it's pressure. I think it's accountability. Because if you see, if, if, you, if you call me out for it, then I'm getting checked. If I make it work, I'm that guy I'll just say that